Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. I'm Stuart and it's my privilege to be the minister here. You are very welcome here for this time of worship, wherever you are, whoever you are and whatever you've done. I'm delighted that today I'm joined in leading our worship by Anne who will read our scripture lesson in just a moment and her wee sister Margaret who will lead our prayers later on. I wonder Have you ever been stuck in a moment, good or bad? Those times when you just can't seem to move or see a way forward, or those times when you just don't want it to end? Today we hear about some people who were stuck in all kinds of ways and how they are helped out, helped to move out of that moment. But before that, I want to remind you of a very practical way that you can help some people who might be stuck in one of those moments. The Food Bank Collection continues each week from 1pm to 2pm on Sundays at St Ninian's. We know that that's a pretty short window of time, but in this weather it's not much fun sitting in the cold. So if you'd like to donate but can't make it at that time, then please get in touch so that we can arrange a time that suits you. Or just place your donations in the collection boxes at your local supermarket. And that includes the co-op here in Stonehouse. Thank you to everyone who's helped and who continues to help both in supporting the food bank and in looking out for your friends and neighbours. Your small acts of service make all the difference. So let's listen for the word of God as Anne reads for us this morning. The reading today comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 29 39. Jesus and his disciples, including James and John, left the synagogue and went straight to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a fever, and as soon as Jesus arrived, he was told about her. He went to her, took her by the hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. After the sun had set, And evening had come, people brought to Jesus all the sick and those who had demons. All the people in town gathered in front of the house. Jesus healed many who were sick with all kinds of diseases and drove out many demons. He would not let the demons say anything because they knew who he was. Very early the next morning, long before daylight, Jesus got up and left the house He went out of the town to a lonely place where he prayed. But Simon and his companions went out searching for him. And when they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. But Jesus answered, We must go on to other villages round here. I have to preach to them also, because that is why I came. So he had travelled all over Galilee, preaching in the synagogues, and driving out demons. It's still the same day as last week's story, the Sabbath. Jesus and his four new disciples are going home from the synagogue where Jesus has taught with authority and healed a man possessed by an unclean spirit. They go to Simon's mother-in-law's house where they discover her on the edge of death. She's sick with a fever. I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves that the healthcare that we seem to almost take for granted, 
is mostly pretty recent. In our lifetimes, people would have suffered and died from a whole range of conditions that are now easily treated or controlled or cured. Things like polio, TB, measles, mumps, chickenpox, smallpox, pneumonia and diabetes. It's incredible to think just how many diseases like these have been eradicated by the discovery of antibiotics or insulin or vaccines, not to mention surgery and treatments like chemotherapy, or seemingly simple remedies like paracetamol and ibuprofen. But 2,000 years ago, a fever was very, very dangerous. Jesus enters the room. And it's at this point that our translations of the Bible really let us down. The Good News version that Anne read to us says, He went to her, took her by the hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. The New Revised Standard Version says, He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her and she began to serve them. Which gets the second bit a bit more correct. But it's not right. Here's what's missed. When it says that Jesus took her by the hand and helped her up or lifted her up, it sounds like Jesus is helping a frail old woman who's been ill to her feet. And that's completely understandable. It's an image we might have ourselves. But that's not really what's happening here. The Greek word used is raised. Not helped her to her feet, but raised her up in the same way that Jesus is raised from death. This miracle is a bringing back to life moment. And that matters. It matters a lot because that bringing back to life stuff, Jesus setting people free from the power of death, that's what Mark's gospel is all about. And when Simon's mother-in-law is set free from death, her response is something that we should pay close attention to. She doesn't go and put the kettle on or make the dinner. Again, the word here is important. It's a word that has sadly, I think, gone a bit out of fashion in some parts of the church. It's the Greek word that we get deacon from. And to be a deacon is to be called to a ministry of service. That's what Simon's mother-in-law begins when she's raised to new life, a ministry of service. It's the same word used when the angels who serve Jesus in his 40 days in the wilderness come. So Jesus has seen this kind of service in action. He's been the recipient of it. And now he is bringing that ministry of service to the world. This woman, whose name we never learn, shows us here, right in chapter 1, what it means to be a disciple, way before the men who Jesus calls to be his disciples ever work out what that means. On this Sabbath day, we see a man exercised of an unclean spirit and a woman raised to new life. On the Sabbath, the day when people stop to be aware of the work of God in the world, to focus on God and to retell the story of how God saved them from slavery and oppression and led them into new life in the promised land, a new land of plenty. Our days run from midnight to midnight, but Jewish days run from sunset to sunset, so the Sabbath ends as the sun goes down. The people of Capernaum have been waiting all day for this moment, but now they've heard all about this man at the synagogue, and news of Simon's mother-in-law will have gone through the small village like wildfire. And sunset is the moment the locals are released from their Sabbath restrictions. So they head out to find out what's happened. And who is this Jesus? They go looking for him. And that's going to be a feature of Jesus' ministry. His job, as he sees it, is to preach the good news to as many people as possible. But the people want the tangible benefits right now. They want to be healed from their sickness. They want to be rid of their demons. 
Mark is laying out at the beginning a battle that's quite literally between life and death. I think it's not flippant to suggest that death comes in many forms. There is, of course, the moment when our bodies give up life and we die. But there are other ways that death creeps in. Through pain and grief and loss. I spoke a bit about unclean spirits last week. And it's interesting to see that people with demons are among those looking for Jesus to help them. There's a word that I just couldn't get last week. It just wouldn't come to me and eventually it did in a conversation at morning prayers when Anne used the word, I think in relation to diabetes. The word is pernicious. Pernicious means highly injurious or destructive or deadly. In times gone by it also meant wicked. Its synonyms are words like adverse, damaging, detrimental, evil, harmful, destructive. And I think that pernicious is the perfect word for these demons or unclean spirits. Something that starts small. Just a word or a thought, often from the outside. You're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. This isn't for people like you. Hurtful words that are always untrue. They're words that are designed to damage and separate and exclude. They are the seeds of death. And they take root in our minds and in our hearts. Sometimes they're watered by others, but eventually, when they're established within us, we are the ones who cultivate them. We can become self-destructive, sabotaging ourselves and, and using that as proof that we're no good. It happens in big ways and small ways. I can't do that. I'm not very talented. I could never manage that. That's not really for people like me. But what happens next is how the seed spreads. We start to tell other people, you're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. This isn't for people like you. And then we create societies based on these lies. There are the people who have the elites, the rich and the powerful who perpetuate a system that serves them well. The biggest lie is one we've come to know as social mobility. That we can all climb the ladder. Yes, we can. A bit. Things can improve, but mostly what happens is just enough People make it up so that the dream is kept alive, that, that one day it could be you. We're back to this idea of empire, that you should stay in your place, because we know what's best for you. And besides, you don't have the knowledge or the skills or the brains or the physical attributes or the language to do this properly for yourselves. The tool used to keep the empire in power is a mass version of these pernicious lies. You're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. This isn't for people like you. The whole system is one where death rules. And when Jesus starts opening the gates so that life can flood back in, the people want all they can get. But hasn't that possibility of life been there all along? Jesus kicks all of this off on the Sabbath, the holy day, the day of worship and rest and restoration, a day set aside by God after the creation was complete to help people to remember that God had made us for good and for love and for life. But the people had long forgotten the reality of that story and had become deeply entrenched in a story where death, not life, held power. Is that how it is with us? Have we forgotten our part in God's story of life? Have the pernicious lies of death taken root in us in our community, in our society. 
We're still in the season of epiphany, that time when we're reminded to look for moments of realisation, of revelation, where we see again, or perhaps for the first time, some kind of insight into who Jesus really is and what his mission to bring the good news is all about. In this passage, I see a very human response to something amazing. Very early the next morning, long before daylight, Jesus got up and left the house. He went out of town to a lonely place where he prayed. But Simon and his companions went out searching for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Of course they are. Why wouldn't they be? But what more can Jesus give them? He's opened the door to life. He's healed them and driven out these pernicious demons. Simon Peter's mother-in-law is our clue to the proper response to that transformation. She began her ministry of service. Too often I think we're opened up to something transformational and we're just left standing around staring and wondering, suspicious, hopeful but scared. We're transfixed rather than transformed, stuck in the moment. We want confirmation. We want to see it again and again and again before we'll believe that what we already know is true. Or we have that initial experience and we want it over and over again because it's amazing. But there's so much more. It's time. It's time to be transformed. It's time to weed out those pernicious seeds. It's time to know that you are good enough. Because God made you and loves you and all that you are. It's time to know that you amount to everything because God made you and loves you and all that you are. It's time to know that all of this is absolutely for people like you and like me because God created all of it and blessed it and said that it was good and that you are beloved. It's time, our time, your time and my time and their time to be transformed by our encounter with Jesus and not to get stuck in the moment. But like Simon's mother-in-law, to, to begin our new life, free from the shackles of all that binds us and holds us down. Jesus' answer to his disciples was, we must go on to the other villages. I have to preach in them because that's why I came. So he travelled all over Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons for everyone opening the door to life, life in all its fullness. Amen. Gracious God, as we pray together this morning, help us to be honest with what we bring. Hear the whisper of our hearts as well as the sound of our words. God, you have created us out of your love and you have redeemed us by your love. Give us peace to perceive your love and to reflect it. Forgive us when we fail you because it's easier to follow the crowd. Forgive us when we act blindly without considering the effect our behaviour has on others. Holy God, our Creator, Redeemer and Sustainer, you give us love, you give us life, you give us yourself. Help us to give our lives, our love, ourselves to you, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. In times of weakness, be our strength when we fall lift us up. When we are in error, direct us, and all our wanderings be our guide. May we learn to abide in you and know that you abide in us. May we know that nothing separates us from you. 
Lord, we give thanks for all who have enriched our lives and improved our environment. We pray for those who work to meet our daily needs, for those who have protected and guided us, supported us through times of need, staying with us in times of darkness. We ask your blessing upon our homes and places of work, upon our friends and our loved ones. Times have been especially difficult for many due to this global pandemic, but it has also shown us acts of kindness and brought communities together, caring for and helping one another. For this we are truly thankful. We pray for all who are finding life difficult, for all who are getting no joy or satisfaction out of their life. We remember the stressed and the distressed, the overworked and the overanxious. We pray for all who are caught up in crime or addiction, for all who feel there is no way out, for all who regret what they've done and are full of remorse. May they find new hope and courage in you, Lord. We pray for all who are without adequate food or shelter, all who do not have a home to call their own, all who have no one to care for them. Lord, bless the work of all relief workers who help and care for so many of our vulnerable people. Lord, in you we trust. We remember before you people in special need, asking for your touch of life. In our hearts is someone who is ill at home or in hospital, those who are deeply lonely and uncertain about life, those whose own hearts are broken. In our heart is a special life, now lost to us, but alive to you. May they know that your hand is upon them. May they discover the comfort you have promised, and may they find strength to face the days ahead. For in you is hope, healing, and joy. Gracious God, hear our prayers through Jesus Christ our Lord, as we join together, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Show your love everywhere we go. 
send us out in the power of your spirits. Lord, fill us up so we overflow. Send us out, send us out, send us out for your glory. Let's all we do be praised to you. Send us out for your As we go from this time together, may we seek ways to look out for each other, to care for one another as well as those who need to know love and care at this time. And as we do, may God lead us, Jesus teach us, and the Holy Spirit guide us now and forever. Amen. Amen.